This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Turn down, baby. Yes, sir. Bears fans, this is Take the North. It's real simple. You know, if you take a person's legs away, they can't run. With your hosts, David Hawn. I want to remind people, there is no award for coming to the conclusion fastest on a quarterback in your football city. Nobody remembers, and frankly, nobody cares. And Dan Weeder. Particularly in this town, we start to get the extremes trying to outshout each other, right? Those who think that he's a bust are trying to outshout those who think that he's going to be an absolute seven-time All-Pro. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome to the Take the North podcast. After the Bears' 20-12 loss to the Giants, at MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey. David Hall with Dan Weeder, along with our producer, Adam Studzinski. The post-game episode, episode 15 and a half, if you're keeping score and keeping count. Dan, this is one where the Bears will have a lot of regrets as they head back home, and this was a game that I guess we all come back to reality a little bit. Yeah, no doubt about it. I'm I'm still pouring over the stat sheet here in the MetLife Stadium press box and just scratching my head at some of the numbers here, right? The, the Giants running for 262 yards on the ground today. Obviously, Saquon Barkley is Saquon Barkley, but what really killed him in the first half was the inability to contain Daniel Jones on those bootlegs and the inability to adjust quick enough. And Daniel Jones gets out for two touchdowns in that first half. He was carrying out his play fakes really well, uh, but the Bears have to be better than that. And as you know, you, you give up 262 on the ground, a lot of weeks you're going to be in big trouble i just think those are the two biggest things that emerged today number one you can't stop the run and 262 yards again exposed the bears inability to stop anybody's running game and we can talk about the play fakes and daniel jones being a magician with the football and and sucking defensive ends in and guys losing contain but they can't stop anybody when it's you know short yardage situations either there's just so many limitations to this roster defensively that they're going to be unable to stop the run. So that's the one thing. The other thing is that when you do get into a game, and I'm not putting this all on the quarterback, I don't want people to misinterpret this, but when you lack an NFL caliber passing game, you can't protect the quarterback. Six sacks today, six sacks and 22 pass attempts. That's unacceptable. And it also is explains why you're not going to threaten anybody down the field. They're going to be isolated cases. And we saw one today with a beautiful throw from Fields to Darnell Mooney, who made a great catch as well. 
but you cannot make a living that way. And in the NFL, you've got to protect the passer. You've got to stop the running game. And today the Bears could do neither. The passer also has to be better at understanding what his protection is, right? And I think there's a lot of instances where either Justin is uh, just sort of tucking and running prematurely or he just doesn't seem very comfortable back there. And it's kind of this chicken and egg debate where, you know, he ran himself into two sacks today, David, where he just he just ran out of bounds. You know, the old zero-yard sack where, where you don't even get tackled and, and you just have those issues. And so just – Nothing comes easy to this Bears offense right now. And and, and Justin was asked a question uh, post-game about w- why isn't the passing offense working? And he shot back and said, who said the passing game isn't working? And my, my initial response was, Justin, here, do you want you want my phone for a minute? You want to scroll through Twitter? Because I, I, I'm pretty sure we can find some people who are saying the passing game isn't working. I'm not sure that a single objective NFL analyst would tell you that it's even close to working right now. So uh, that's a reality check for them to get back to work. I'll, I'll tell you what I thought when I heard that. And I was watching and I also uh, listened intently as Matt Eberflus talked about this. And this was kind of disappointing development today that I haven't heard necessarily before. Justin Fields somewhat sounding somewhat oblivious to the fact that somebody, how dare they think the passing game wasn't functioning at an at a acceptable level. Matt Eberflus seeing progress yeah. in the passing game, stating that afterward, Dan, that just tells me that it's sad. They don't know what they don't know because the standards have been so lowered well, now that you're you're accepting 22 passes, <laughs> completing 11 of them, and having you know a, a deep ball completed. That's a, that's progress. I wrote part of that in my column, David, because, yeah, listen, it is progress, right? It's undisputed progress, but the bar is way too low, right? 11 completions, season high. 174 yards from Justin Fields, a season high. You know, you get a, a 76.7 passer rating, and you say, well, that's better than the 50 of last week. And so it, it, it it's, it's improvement, but it, it is still – way below average and really disappointing. And they were, you know, Eberflus said, you know, it was great to get Darnell unlocked. Well, Darnell had the 56-yard reception on the, the second drive and finished the day with 94 yards. We shouldn't be celebrating four catches and 94 yards from, from right. the number one receiver, right? And so that is the problem, that that all of a sudden that, that we're four games into the year and we haven't seen anything that has resembled a 2022 NFL-quality passing attack. And now they're kind of blinded to the fact that they're so far away from being an NFL-quality passing attack that they're celebrating progress when it needs to be condemned, really, because it's still a, an absolute mess in the passing game. There's so much there for them to take out of here in terms of coaching points. You can see and find Dan Wiederer's column on ChicagoTribune.com on Sunday night and into Monday. You can find my column on the game on 670thescore.com. There was a lot to say, even though there weren't a lot of huge takeaways except for what we just described, kind of the highlights. I know a lot of attention will be paid. Valus Jones muffing the punt and the punt yeah. return with 213 left. Now, number one, he's got one job. He's got to do it. And I think that he will learn from that if they're giving him more chances. And they should because this is the year to fail on the job and then get other chances so you don't do it again when it really matters. But, Dan, what was it like post game? And I think you would agree with me. I'm not sure what you wrote, but I do think that we both would agree that was not the play that would – that that if that happens, the Bears are going to win this game. Certainly it – you know, didn't go well and certainly would have put them in a better position than to throw the ball around, you know, on five laterals on the final play. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we're pointing the finger at Valus Jones saying if you catch that punt, the Bears win. 
It might have been eight laterals. I know it was a 43-second sequence on that final play because I documented the entire thing for my column because, David, I thought it was representative of, of everything for the Bears today, the desperation, the helter-skelter nature of it, and ultimately the the, fails, the fate-sealing turnover at the end that ended the game, thank God. But listen, they had an opportunity, right? And Matt Eberflus was so proud of the way they managed that game and they did the the the, the punt and pin, right? They opted right, to, right. to kick the ball down there. The defense gets a stop and all of a sudden you're going to be getting the ball back with your offense having the opportunity to mount a potential game-tying drive and your rookie punt returner making his second return of his NFL career just kind of misjudges the wind. And I'll tell you that when I got out of the Uber this morning, the wind was gusty here today in New Jersey and it was swirling and it was one of those like, oh God, yeah, October's here, right? The reminder that this weather's here. And Bayless basically just said that the way the wind was swirling, he he didn't succeed in beating the football to the spot and he was still sort of running with it when the ball arrived. That's a disaster in the NFL. It caroms off of them. The Giants recover and it's just that's it. That's the end of the game there. You don't even get your opportunity to, to, to mount that that potential game tying drive. And it's just it's unforgivable. Right. And I, I told you guys in early September that that Valus Jones was my pick for <laughs> most disappointing bear of 2022. Was, that was the forecast. And so far through four games, I don't think you can argue with that. In terms of the conditions, Dan, I think you're trying to say the C was angry my friend and <laughs> so were the winds and so maybe that contributed but i don't think in the end it's not an excuse you got to figure it out right it's not an excuse you do have to figure it out and he will get better because you saw him pacing you saw him you know mad at himself as much as you were at uh, the bears today and today was a day of frustration for bears fans because not the not the you see talent galore on the roster and you feel like they're falling well short of that it's because they had an opportunity to beat a beatable opponent, and there are not that many of them left on the schedule. I guess maybe more than we anticipated. As I wrote, the, the best asset or the biggest thing that gives you hope on this Bears season is the schedule because yeah, right. there are teams that are that are ahead of, of you, you know, not necessarily next Sunday, but ahead that you can compete with and, and possibly beat on the right night. Hey, everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Double doink victorious Minnesota Vikings returning from London next week to host the Bears. We'll see where that goes. Hey, one thing we haven't talked about that I'm sure we'll talk about more in our, our expanded podcast uh, the next time we record is Justin Fields' first half fumble and the lack of purpose in chasing that thing down. Cody Whitehair and Equinemius St. Brown in particular were the closest men to that football, and they let the ball sit there, you know, reminiscent of week 17 in, in 2013, and, yep. and Kayvon Thibodeau dove on it, and the Giants turned that into a 
25-yard touchdown drive immediately after. And so you went from field goal range with a chance to score a potential touchdown into giving up seven on the other end. I called it a flagrant violation of the hits principle, David. By the same token, maybe to a lesser degree, not, not as flagrant of a violation of the hits principle, but later in the game, Tyrod Taylor, he fumbles. I don't think there was that urgency from Kyler Gordon's hit. Kyler Gordon was frankly busy kind of celebrating the hit. Yeah. The ball's laying there on the ground, ends up squirting out of bounds, and I felt like that was an opportunity. There's the ball. Where's that instinctive reflex to dive on it, to pick it up, to go score? Because you could have made the argument just as you did about the earlier turnover, which I think is a valid one. These guys are defensive players. These guys are sort of the ones who are coached every moment of every practice to dive on the ball once it's loose, and it was loose just for a hot moment. Well, and to your point, this football team does not have a margin for error that allows them to get by without being very crisp, right? You have to play very crisp. You have to play with purpose. You have to be clean. You have to take care of the football. You have to do a lot of things well, and you have to adhere to the hits principle. The Bears failed today, and they walk out of here 20 to 12 losers. I want to give you one other list here just so that we can fully contextualize this loss. Here are the players that the Giants were missing coming into the game. They did not have Leonard Williams. They did not have three receivers, Sterling Shepard, Wandale Robinson, Kadarius Toney. During the game today, they lost Aziz Ojolari, Kayvon Thibodeau, Julian Love, Evan Neal, Kenny Galladay, Aaron Robinson, Henry Mondo. Their quarterback, Daniel Jones, had to miss a dozen snaps because he had a sprained left ankle, and then he had to come back in the game for the final 11 plays after Tyrod Taylor suffered a concussion. And so this was an injury-riddled Giants team that didn't play all that well, and they got out of here with a, a, a coasting 20 to 12 victory. And that should be a, a sobering reminder to our audience that this is 2022 for the Chicago Bears. The turbulence is going to continue for a long, long time. Especially with a roster where the limitations outweigh the potential. And this is what the Bears are in 2022. I want to ask you really quickly about two things that came up with Matt Eberflus and his yeah. in-game decisions. You know, the the pin, the, the punt and pin late in the game, that was fourth and two. He could have really justified going for it. Let's look around the NFL. We'll have some time to digest you know, when when guys do go for it and what happens, thank you, John Harbaugh, for giving us that coaching moment in comparison. What did you think of that? And then also earlier in the game, there was a, probably a, a fourth down. You could have justified going for it. He chose to kick a field goal. It was a game of field goals. The Bears got yeah. four of them. Did you think that maybe a less conventional, more aggressive head coach might have made different decisions in both cases? Well, in the in the first case, I would say I could have gone either way. I personally probably would have gone for it because if you trust your defense, you can trust them at midfield just as you can trust them down there in, in that that portion of the field. And so uh, I didn't have a, a major problem with Eberflus deciding to kick because they, he did, as he said after the game, he used his timeouts well. The defense did their job and they got the ball back. You know, they were going to have the ball. If, if, if Vales Jones handles that punt, he's got room to run on there and they should have possession of the ball somewhere around midfield with, with more than two minutes to go and a timeout left. Right. So you feel great about where you wound up in that situation. The one earlier in the game, I think, David, I think that's just a, a total lack of confidence in where they are offensively right now. And it's 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 a problem. Right. It's a, a major problem for this team that we're four games into the season. They don't trust their quarterback to make a play. They're worried about making mistakes and they're willing to settle for field goals and not in, in situations where, as you mentioned, you could probably swing the game by scoring a touchdown there. I'd probably put both of those decisions in the same category as, as what you just described well the overall lack of confidence in your 
offense to make a play when you need to make a play. Sometimes that's the quarterback. Sometimes that's the running back. It's, it's often the wide receivers. Dante Pettis, for instance, you got to go up and get that ball if Justin Fields puts it where it could be caught. And he did, and Pettis didn't come down with it. So there are situations where the coaching staff could have helped out. Third and 15, enough with the tight end screens, especially with the third <laughs> time. Goodness well, sakes. It worked. It worked early in the game. They also they converted third and 20 today on a little screen to, to Khalil Herbert. And for, for those who lived through the Matt Nagy era and could <laughs> yeah. not see a, a successfully run screenplay, it was like, oh, whoa, you know, you just converted third and ultra long with a nicely executed screen pass. And so th- there were a couple moments where you said that's good. But but again, going even going back to the, the celebration of the, the Mooney 56 uh, yard catch pretty route, beautifully thrown ball, but these things should be coming more than twice a month, right? right. Like we should be talking about four of these per game to right. some extent. They don't all have to be 56 yarders. We just have so few highlight reel plays to, to break down and talk about. And we're, we're a month into the season and it's just, I, I don't know. I don't know what the answers are uh, because obviously Justin doesn't uh, fully comprehend how much room needs to, 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 to be made up. Yeah. I mean, look, he he's going to get, he's going to get killed on that again this week. And I understand he was a little defensive post game, uh, but he's going to get killed on that. That quote is he's going to get killed on by, by, you know, people on social media, people in the national NFL orbit. I'm not going to kill him on it because I know it was just a post game reaction, but it's also just like, man, like face reality here. The passing game isn't working and don't try to sell people something that isn't there. Before we get to our game balls, I want to ask two questions post game. Number one, any injury update on Cody Whitehair who left the game and they had to go with Lucas Patrick. And secondly, Roquan Smith talk about his big whiff on Tyrod Taylor, the 33 year old, quarterback who made him look silly in that third down run. Yeah, unfortunate, right? I think uh, I, were you covering the game in Foxborough where Tom Brady did that to Urlacher? Yeah, little yeah. different athleticism between yeah. Tom Brady and Tyrod Taylor, but you just remember those moments and you say, "Man, I, it's just a play I have to make, right? I've got it. I've got to be able to get that quarterback on the ground, given the stakes and everything that goes with it." Um, yeah, I, the Cody Whitehair injury is something that we got to keep close eye on because they ruled him out pretty quickly. Right. He, he went into that blue tent and he was ruled out pretty quickly, which leads you to believe with a knee injury that this thing could be pretty significant. And that, that that's something that, you know, Matt Eberflus won't give us word until until Wednesday afternoon when practice ends on what Cody's status is. But I think we have to, to, to fear the worst in that situation. I will say on a bright side, David Montgomery running on the sidelines pregame looked a lot better than I expected him to a week after suffering the injury uh, against the Texans. And so that that's promising for the Bears that, that he seems to have uh, dodged a bullet in that regard. Cody Whitehair is their most valuable offensive lineman, and I think that you have to keep an eye on that. That's going to be one of those stories to follow every week. Okay, let's give out the game balls. Let's bring in Adam Stadzinski, ace producer, resident Bears fans. He'll be taking calls uh, in the middle of the night from frustrated Bears fans, so he is resting up. We want to give him a time to nap. Adam, who's your game ball go-to? First-time caller. Yeah, yeah. First-time, long-time, guys. So – I think, uh, by the way, the Packers are going to overtime against the Patriots right now. I don't know if you guys have seen that. Yeah. Yep. So, but, I, oh, man, tough call. I thought I've been thinking well, this is three hours after the game when we're recording this. <laughs> and I, and I it, as of us starting to do this, I was still on a toss up. But I think I'm, I landed on Eddie Jackson getting my game ball. I think he was one of the few defenders that actually played well today. I got to watch the game again to see how well he played. But he had a, a really nice tackle on Saquon Barkley in the open field that saved probably what would have been a touchdown if he doesn't make it in the first half, the interception, yes. we can talk about whether he would have, whether he should have actually caught that interception or not. But when you have a chance for an interception, it's not fourth down. You get, the, you get the interception, right? That, so, yeah. so <laughs> exactly. You take the so, gimme. 
You yes, take the yes. gimme. And, and he ran the route for him for that receiver. So it was just excellent coverage. So I'm giving it to Eddie Jackson. I, I, and that's uh, two out of four games now. I'm giving the game ball to Eddie Jackson. So <laughs> he's having, he's having, he's the Bears' best defensive player through four games. Right so now, far. he's playing at a Pro Bowl level, all Pro yes. level, even because of the the takeaways. That's a good one. All right, I'll go next, Dan, because I'll leave you to kind of pick through the, the rest. <laughs> good I luck. think Michael Michael Badgley, Money Badger, Badger, as the uh, social media team for the Bears dubbed him, Money Badger. Now was all money today. You know, you yeah. get this guy coming in. At the last moment, signed 24 hours before kickoff. Everybody's wishing the best for Cairo Santos and his family. And I think that he had to miss the game for personal reasons. And here comes, you know, kind of a retread kicker. And in, in, uh, everybody has knows those guys. You know, they've always dealt with <laughs> there's so many everywhere. And they're always kind of on call. And here he comes uh, back home to the state of New Jersey where he is from. He looks like he's straight out of central casting, like he's filming some football movie uh, that's going to be released next uh, spring or something. This guy is a good-looking kicker, came through in the clutch, four field goals, the only guy who scored today for the Bears, and I think he's already their second-leading scorer this year. I was just going to say, he got, he put points on the board, which uh, for this team is is worth celebrating any week. So uh, Michael Badgley may be out the door soon, but he can leave with a Take the North game ball, so good for him. Uh, my game ball goes to, to Josh Blackwell, uh, a special teams contributor as well, who comes up not only covering that punt, forcing a fumble, and having the urgency that wasn't there on some of the other loose footballs today, David, and jumping on that football to get the Bears a takeaway. The travesty of the whole thing was the Bears only got a seven-play, 13-yard field goal drive out of that takeaway. That's where games are lost, right? When you get that big spark from somebody creating a sudden change opportunity and getting you the ball back, and you don't do anything with it offensively, and you settle for a field goal, and it doesn't turn into the dividends that it should turn into. But for Josh Blackwell, it turns into a take-the-north game ball. Congratulations, Josh, for, for joining the, the fraternity. All right, congratulations to Josh, to Eddie, and to Michael. Studs, go get some rest. 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Adam Studzinski will be taking your calls overnight, 3 to 5, uh, building a bridge to the Mullion Haw Show, which begins at 5 with the pregame in Dustin Rhodes, and then 530 to 10, Mullion and I will be on the air. Dan, you're going to be coming back to Chicago. When you get back here this week, the context. Okay, you know what? I loved what you tweeted before the game. Your thoughts are always must-read. But this was, I, I forget where you got it from, but this would the winner of this was kind of the winner of the false hope bowl. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that the Giants are 3-1. and one. The Bears would love to be. But whether they won this game, whether they lost this game, I think what we saw, as you described, was a team with no margin for error. And today they just made too many mistakes to justify a victory, which put a, would have put them at 3-1 and one and maybe got people to believe in something that wasn't necessarily true. So there is no bright side to losing. But at least we're sobered up here now. We're back to reality. And the Bears are a 500 football team with a long way to go. Listen, we need to find a sponsor for the False Hope Bowl. So see if you can figure out how who would be an appropriate sponsor for that game, because I'm sure there'll be a few more of those as, as uh, the season goes on around the NFL. I think today was an accurate representation of who the 2022 Chicago Bears are. Right. And I think for uh, our audience, it's probably a fitting reminder that, that you don't get out of your skis and think three and one. This season now takes on a different context. Nope, it's the same context. It's a developmental year. You're trying to identify your building blocks. You're trying to identify your standouts. 
Today, there weren't enough of them in any of the phases. And so it's just it's just one of those moments that just hits you in the face and says, this is this is the reminder. You went on the road. Again, you played a, a, an ordinary opponent that was badly beat up and you didn't even come close to winning. And so that's just uh, what we got to be ready for uh, more weeks than not for the remainder of this campaign. I did manage, David, to maneuver my way into an exit row seat for the flight back. So maybe I get a, a little more room to, uh, to to watch some of this game back on the, on the flight back. Excellent. Hopefully it is a safe trip back for you. Uh, we will be back here for our audience Tuesday morning, breaking it down after a second look. Yeah, we're going to watch it again. Like it or not, <laughs> that is what we have to do. That is our job. And we are here for you, the Bears fans, to take the North podcast on your Odyssey app, the free Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcast. Dan Weeder again, you can catch his column on ChicagoTribune.com and his coverage all week long. And my column on the game is at, at 670thescore.com. You can check that out either online or on your Facebook feed or wherever you want to go to find and uh, to live through this game yet again. All right, Dan, anything before you head out and uh, get to the airport? Yeah, no, uh, I, you know, look, I think this team's got a long way to go, right? And I think that you know, this is where we talked, you know, all through August and September about you're going to get that initial buy-in, right? You're going to get that initial new coach bounce. And now you hit that that stretch, you know, the weather's gloomy, the, 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 the skies are cloudy, there's wind, there's cold, and you've got to really grind when you hit some rough patches. This is one of those rough patches for the Bears that they're going to have to really grind through here in the short term. It's going to be, again, we talked the last week, four road games in the month of October. This is the first one. So, so the grind continues let's see where they take it great stuff great job thanks for listening everybody take the north podcast episode 15 and a half for dan weeder i'm david haw with adam stadzinski see you on tuesday